Chapter 1 We had lived together so long, the five families in Crescent Place, that it never occurred to any of us that in our own way we were rather unique. Certainly the older people among us did not realise it, and I myself was rather shocked when Helen Wellington, after she married Jim and came there to live, observed that we all looked as though we had walked out of an album of the nineties, including that iron clamp the photographers used to use to hold the hands steady, she said. You're a stiff-necked lot if ever I saw any. I dare say she was right. Not long ago I was looking over the old red plush album which played such an important part in solving the crimes of which I am about to tell, and I found something or other of most of us there, especially of the women. Mrs. Talbot's faint moustache, Miss Lydia's spit curls, Emily Lancaster's enormous pompadour, Mother's pinned-on braids, and Mrs. Dalton's square-cut lily langtree bangs. Even the hats were not unlike the ones which most of the Crescent still wears, those substantial hats pinned high on the wearers' heads, by which at St. Mark's on a Sunday morning it was as easy to pick out our pews as to discover a palm oasis in a desert. Just how unique we were, however, none of us, including Helen Wellington herself, probably realised until after our first murder. Then, what with police and newspaper men digging about our intermingled roots, it began to dawn on me that we were indeed a strange and perhaps not very healthy human garden. Long ago, Crescent Place was merely a collection of fine old semi-country houses, each set in its own grounds, and all roughly connected by a semicircular dirt road. Then the city grew in that direction, the dirt road was paved, and to protect themselves, the owners built a gate at the entrance and marked it private. The gate was never closed, of course. It was a gesture of dignified privacy, and nothing more. The piece of empty ground which the road enclosed, and on which our houses faced, was common property, and in the course of time was planted like a small park at our mutual expense. Long ago it had been a part of a large empty area on which we had grazed our cows, and so now this glorified fragment was still called the Common. The five houses faced toward the Common, and were originally some considerable distance apart. Here and there additions have rather lessened this distance, but each house still retains that which it values above all price its privacy and seclusion. When, by the additions I have mentioned, or for other reasons, this in the past has been found threatened, a campaign of tree and shrubbery planting has at once been instituted, so that for more than half a year, save for certain weak spots in our defences, we resemble nothing so much as five green embattled fortresses. We have these weak spots, however, one window of my own bedroom, for example, still commands an excellent view of certain parts of the house on our right, and from the end of our guest wing we have more than a glimpse of the one on the left, both of which outlook posts, as well as the ones upstairs which command our own garage, were to play their own part in our tragedies. But in the main, until Thursday, August the 18th of last year, at four o'clock in the afternoon, each of the five houses had successfully for forty years or more, preserved its seclusion and its slightly arrogant detachment from the others and from the world, had been neighbourly without being intimate, had fought innovative to the last ditch, 
Helen Wellington maintaining that the last hairpin in the world with a butterfly top was the one Lydia Talbot still wore, and was still placidly unaware of much more of the living world than it could see through the gate onto Liberty Avenue. My mother and I live in the centre house, and thus almost directly face the little common and the gate beyond it. Mother is still in deep mourning for my father, who has been dead for twenty years, and later on, when things began to happen, I was shocked to hear her described as the eternal widow draped in crepe, and myself as a youngish spinster, at twenty-eight, who had been abnormally repressed, and was therefore by intimation more or less psychopathic as a result. This was the same tabloid which, as our murders went on, discovered that there were exactly thirteen people living on the Crescent, not counting the servants, and under the title The Unlucky Number ran an article a day for thirteen days on one...